Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Howdy, hey, howdy. <laughs> All right, we're back for another episode of A Brew Strong. Uh, it's uh, me, Jamel Zanchef, and my buddy John Palmer, and we're uh, continuing our uh, uh, high-gravity series. It isn't right. going to be a trois because uh, it's going to be a quad, and we're going to have four, four shows in this series talking about uh, high-gravity brewing. And we covered... Uh, a lot of detail about high gravity brewing in the the first two shows, uh, what it is, and um, you know how to prepare uh, wort, making the wort, yeah, mm-hmm, the mash, and uh, all the factors there, and that, that that took us the first two shows, and then uh, we did a, uh, a Q and A show, and then we were off at the conference, so we did another show there, but uh, uh, we're back to finish up this series because we want to make sure we cover this. Uh, Subject in, in enough detail that you really understand uh, all the aspects uh, involved in making a, a high gravity beer and and how to how to uh, best do it how to cope with those things. So uh, we're going to cover that. Speaking of the conference, uh, I had a good time there, and then uh, uh, after that, I, I actually hooked up with a family, and I took them. Uh, your 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 family or some other one? My my family. Yeah, oh, okay, my family, the family. What other family is there when I say the family? Uh, so it took them to, uh, we went to Greeley, did the Greeley Stampede, which is uh, like five hours of demo derby and then, uh, you know, five hours of bull riding and, uh, you know, all this stuff. And uh, Did you win? No, I didn't. Uh, I did not uh, participate. Though the, uh, oh. I'm, I'm ready to, to put together my demo derby team. I've got, I've got the perfect driver. I really do. And then uh, I've got, I've got uh, some great uh, mechanics that... Uh, also happened to be uh, part of more beer, and uh, <laughs> so just need to get some sponsorship money and uh, uh, get the car, and, and and we're off. We're doing the uh, demo derby circuit. Should be should be a blast. Anyways, uh, yeah, I had a, I had a great time. Took them out. We went up to Glacier National Park. Went out to uh, cut a, back, a, back across over to uh, Seattle, and uh, also uh, down Olympic Peninsula and down through Oregon. Met up with uh, some more listeners along the way out in uh, at Big Sky Brewing and uh, Missoula and out in uh-huh. Snoqualmie and uh, and uh, out in Port Townsend. I had a good old time. It was, it was neat. Met up with yeah. uh, a lot of different Big Sky people. is a very nice IPA, as I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was great. It was a beautiful tasting room and... Uh, uh, you know, it was quite busy. I was I was surprised. They had a, a lot of traffic through there. Uh, tasted some beers, had a good time, and uh, I do have one uh, one little suggestion though. Uh, based on my my experience of driving, 
6,300 miles in my RV. <laughs> drove out, you know, to the Midwest, drove through uh, to uh, Kansas and then went up and, and through uh, uh, Nebraska and Iowa and, and uh, Minnesota and then back across and, and back down into, um, uh, you know, Washington, Oregon, California. And I took, uh, uh, boy, five weeks to do this trip, 6,300 miles. And one thing I can say for certain, so uh, the folks here in California, Oregon, Washington, all us, all us West Coast folks, uh, I, 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 I got some driving tips for you. Uh, you know, you, you get in your car, you put your seatbelt on, and the next thing you want to do is uh, pull your head out of your ass uh, before you start driving down the road. And things would go much better for you on the road and, and for all the other people on the road uh, around here, I think, uh, would be very appreciative of uh of that sequence of events <laughs> i'm not following you <laughs> oh man you know <clears throat> i had such a a great trip going out midwest and the people are great out there and uh they drive with a little bit more uh attention to, to detail i think and also just uh general courtesy to other drivers and when you're driving a uh, 32, 33-foot uh, motorhome, uh, you know, people that, you know, cut you off and, and just act stupid really don't help. So, uh, and I noticed as soon as I got back to the West Coast, that's, it was all over the place again. It was, uh, it was just <laughs> horrible. Uh, hmm. I'm really shocked. And I've, you know, born and raised in California. <laughs> and, uh, boy, uh, I'm just, so I'd grown numb to it and then going somewhere else for five weeks. I really started to appreciate uh, the drivers out there. So there you go. We suck out here the way we drive in California. Do you know that, John? I I had not realized that, but um, it's possible. (laughs) It's possible. I'll tell you, it's it's absolutely true. It's it's one of the uh, one of the things we don't do well out here. We drive fast. We drive far, but uh, we don't have uh, any any sense of courtesy whatsoever to other drivers. Well, how about you? You've been uh, <clears throat> keeping up with uh, things uh, since you got back. Yeah, I've oh, lots of family time. Yeah, um, been brewing. Took, brewed a little bit. Um, I, I had the good fortune to swing by a Northern Brewer in Milwaukee on my way out back from the conference. Mm-hmm. And um, while I was there, I picked up a couple extract and specialty grain kits because you know they don't take as long, and I knew I could you know brew a good beer with one of those. And, Especially yeah. that, uh, that uh, Jamil's evil twin, evil twin recipe there. Yeah, yeah. you find that at uh, Northern Brewer. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, great. Well, great I, kit. I I also grabbed their Marblehead Lager um, uh, kit, and um, in consideration of my wife, um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll brew the uh, brew the Marblehead using a coal sheast first, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, I gotta find, I gotta, you know, get my fermentation box set up, make sure that's running. Well, of course, the night before brewing, it's running fine. It's holding, you know, 56 degrees, no problem. Brew day, it would not go below 70. Hmm. And I'm, I put the word in there. It was in, got the word in there, and it sat there at like 70 degrees, would not come down. And uh, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want to pitch the yeast at that point. So finally, I took it out and uh, stuck it in my my kegerator fridge, and, you know, dropped it down to about you know thirty five forty, um, 
And then I went out and bought a small chest freezer, upright, a small upright freezer. Mm-hmm. Perfect size for one carboy. Stick a, stick a controller on that, and I thought I'm golden. Well, I get it home, setting it up, and I realize that the shelves are the cooling units. I can't move them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I gave that freezer to my wife for our anniversary. And, uh, Sweet anniversary gift there, John. <laughs> Yeah, that shows that's real, <laughs> real sentiment of of love and uh, yeah. devotion. Uh-huh. I, th- I think nineteen years is freezer year. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, so what'd you do with the work? Uh, it's still sitting in the in the kegerator fridge. Um, <laughs> I would have done something with it today, except of course we're here now. Right. So, yeah. Eventually, um, you want to throw yeast into those. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, how it turns into beer. I don't know if you, if you caught that Bruce Strong episode yet. Yeah. Now that's yes. that word's not okay, right? Or is it okay because he has it cold? Well, you know, you definitely want to have it below forty degrees. Okay, you know, that's that's like fridge temperature. You know, a fridge that that won't hold forty degrees is you know food spoilage, and food will still spoil at that temperature. Yeah. Um, the colder, the better. Um, it depends how clean your process was. I've boy, I don't know. It, You're leery, it, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's always up for it's always questionable, but you know, took good, <laughs> took good care of it, and it's it's cold. I don't it, want to consider dry hopping this one like crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because this is so he didn't want to pitch at seventy, or the alternative, or is that he holds on to it for a week until he can get to the right pitching temperature. Right. Which is worse, pitching at 70 or waiting the, like, which is riskier, I guess, is my question. Yeah, you know. Um, hmm. For a Kolsch, I want to I want to get it cold. I don't want oh, right, to right, fool right. with the off flavors. Good point. So that's that was one consideration, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, but I probably would have chilled it down in the freezer and then pulled it out, pitched the yeast, and let it, let it, uh, and try and do it, go through its growth around that. You know, I may have, and I've done this before. Swap it in and out of the of the fridge when you don't have a controller, and then uh, you know, hold it in that that range you want. Let the growth period uh, go through. You know, the two three days. Uh, yeah. Let the yeah. yeast growth be done, and then just let it warm up from there, and then you should be okay. Right. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll probably do that tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll, I'll pull it out, aerate my yeast starter again. Well, you know, there's always yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wait another. I want to try it, Palmer. I, I'm just curious. Yeah. Now, did you uh, prepare this wort on your uh, fancy uh, Blickman top tier uh, system? Yes, I did. In fact. All right. How did I that go? Fine. Yeah. No. No problems whatsoever. Well, yeah, I, any uh, any superlatives to throw out there about our our sponsor, uh, Blickman Engineering? Yeah, well, I was using the um, what is that darn thing called? The hop grabber? No, um, help me out, Jamil. The hop blocker. Uh, blocker. There we go. Uh-huh. Hop blocker. I like the hop grabber though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to Blickman about changing it. The crotch grabber. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that did that did a pretty good job. Um, I was uh-huh. brewing all pellets though. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So you know, had a fair amount you know, make it into the fermenter, but. Uh, hmm. By and large, it kept them out. Yeah. Maybe. There was a lot of hop sludge in the bottom of the kettle when I was done. So Maybe it's your technique. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, uh, yeah, should be a good brew. It just, you know, delay in fermentation. But I had a great, great batch of yeast, so 
not too worried about it. Yeah. I'll just aerate it up to get them get them ready and then dump them in tomorrow. All right. Well, yeah, I'm I'm even worse. Uh, I still have not brewed on my Blickman system because uh, <laughs> oh man, oh well, you know, I'm five weeks on the road. Uh, you know, did you put it together I, yet? No, <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. I'm like in the process of it, okay. uh, and it's just uh, I want to I I want to brew the thing so so badly, but uh, I just you know all these all these uh, trips coming up and on the road, so uh, I feel terrible. But uh, I will I will get there eventually. <laughs> I will <laughs> and we'll be brewing some some beers on there. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into um, high gravity brewing. We'll be going to be talking about uh, the the point from where you get the word in the kettle to uh, when you cool it and, and run it out. Back after this. Smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong. Blickman Engineering. Think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 1842 in the province of Bohemia. 
Yo, this era jerky. All the beers is murky. What oh, friends? A male alewife. I don't know what I'm doing, so I got this dark malt, yeah? More stinky dark beer, yeah. No, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Hi, a package from the future, from Northern Brewer. Use the Pilsner malt, my good man. And the Sats Hob, sucker. They ain't noble like Queen Victoria, but you can use Sterling from Portland to Astoria. Let your war caramelize and let melanodins harmonize in a long boil. Keep your starter undercover with aluminum foil. Who? And use it thou some bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and get your nasty ass bog myrtle back to the dark ages, Brother Abelard. Hey, this golden lager with the happy hops pretty damn good. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we did. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Ewa, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, John, we were talking about uh, high-gravity brewing uh, for the last couple of shows. And now we've uh, we've got the mash, we've run it off, it's in the kettle. Uh, let's talk about that process of boiling and even cooling at the end. So what do I need to think about when I'm doing a gra- high-gravity beer as far as the boil is concerned? What is this going to take, um, I, I guess, more energy to, to boil uh, a big beer like this? A little bit. Uh, the the great uh, boiling point elevation for, um, you know, warts like this uh, can result in a, in a couple degrees increase, but not as much as... Uh, boiler depth you know commercial scale Mm -hmm. so in our case it's uh pretty much the same old thing you know you start to fire and start boiling but what's what is different is that you know especially in an all malt brew you're gonna get um a lot more hot break a lot more foaming Mm -hmm. and uh as you're boiling you know your hop utilization is going to decrease um versus a more typical you know wort gravity boil Mm-hmm. So, um, I was just looking at uh, some papers on high gravity brewing, you know, in the uh, professional journals, and they are commenting that we're um, showing some data that you know the difference between a ten plato and a twenty plato wort, which translates to about uh, you know ten forty og versus ten eighty og, mm-hmm. um, that the uh, utilization, hop utilization, decreased by about one point six percent. You know, in their in their scale, mm-hmm. and I guess you know if, if you're, you know, if you if you look at a sixty minute uh, boil and uh, hop utilization at sixty minutes, and you say okay, I should be up around thirty uh, percent utilization. Mm-hmm. Well, going from ten forty to ten eighty, you you could expect that utilization to drop down to you know twenty eight and a half percent utilization, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, correspondingly. 
or maybe more depending on your system. Right. Um, so on those early hop additions, you really can't uh, just like boil them longer to get get uh, make up that missing utilization. Uh, rather, you need to add more hops to to yeah. counter that. Now, the brewing software uh, that'll do that calculation for you, won't it? If if your right. gravity's high, your utilization uh, is dropped, and and that'll uh, tell you that you should be adding more hops anyway. So there may right. not be anything necessarily for a brewer to do, other than I guess if you were looking at scaling up a recipe. And you did not have the software, or even if you did have the software, if you're scaling up a recipe, let's say, uh, uh, I know uh, Mike McDowell, likes to make an imperial version of Janet's Brown. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, people that, uh, a guy, Nate, in uh, in uh, Montana, uh, he made an, an imperial, uh, a couple of imperial uh, pilsners, I think, and uh, give this to me. I know people are making imperial wits, things like that. And uh, if you're going to do that, you've got your regular recipe. You just don't, uh, uh, you know, increase things linearly. You gotta, you gotta bump up those hops as well, uh, right. accounting for the uh, lower utilization, not just, you know, whatever uh, character you're going for. Yeah, most most brewing software and hop utilization tables, such like in How to Brew, uh, you know, account for gravity mm-hmm. uh, changes in gravity like that. So. Um, well, and then mm-hmm. and then use your palate too. Right. Uh, That's what I was just going to say. If uh, if uh, when you're making a you're designing a, um, a high gravity beer, keep in mind that it's not going to attenuate as far as uh, the lower gravity version. You're going to have more residual sugar left at the end in most cases, unless you take steps to avoid that. And that sweetness is something that you're going to need to contend with, and and often we want to balance that with some um, higher IBUs. So that's yeah. something you, you need to take into account as well. Yeah, you, you wouldn't necessarily want to just rely on your brewing software to say, okay, you know, this 1040 OG recipe at 30, 35 IBUs, I want 35 IBUs in this 1080 recipe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What you're saying, and I agree, Jamil, is that you're probably going to want more like 40 IBUs or maybe even 45 IBUs mm-hmm. at the, in the 1080 beer mm-hmm. to achieve the same balance that mm-hmm. you had in lower gravity version or a balance or actually may a better way to look at it is you're going to achieve a balance that works better at the high gravity. Right. Uh, not necessarily the same balance in the low gravity version of a beer, you know, like a pilsner to imperial pilsner. Um, the uh, interesting thing that uh, uh, Greg Doss at the conference, he was doing a talk on, um, I think, uh, the bittering. I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I talked to him beforehand. And, you know, the uh, one of the things I use in all the uh, BYO articles I do, as a matter of fact, you can you can sign up for BYO on the Brewing Network. You can go to thebrewingnetwork.com. You see a big BYO uh, ad there. Just click on that. Sign up for BYO if, you, if you're not already a subscriber. It's a great magazine. And uh, I write for it uh, every issue doing style profile. And uh, half that goes to the Brewing Network. So it really helps out the shows. And... Um, uh, it'll help you out as well because it's a good magazine. Anyways, in those articles, I do a, a calculation of uh, IBUs divided by bittering units, which is something I got from Ray Daniels in his Design and Great Beers book. And I like that because it takes into account uh, gravity uh, versus uh, – or not IBU, but um, – um, Gravity units. Yeah, your or your, your – Bittering units. Bittering divided by original gravity, right. And so it, it gives you a ratio on that. 
uh, your starting gravity and your and your bittering units. And uh, as your gravity goes up, you know, you keep the same ratio. It'll be, you know, 0.4 for a beer. Well, you know, keep that same ratio when you go higher if it's, uh, you know, and, and that takes that into account. One of the things that Greg was wanting to talk about is the concept that, well, your finishing gravity has an effect as well. So maybe, you know, that should be finishing gravity versus uh, bittering units and you could, uh, or IBUs, and you could, uh, you know, relate that as well. I think the two numbers, I, I, I'm not sure you can really take um, finishing gravity by itself. Uh, you know, it really depends on a lot of things. Um, right. So I like the starting gravity better, but that gives you a good ratio. So maintain that ratio going up and uh, it'll give you a, it'll give you a good uh, uh, balance on the beer and maybe goose it up a little bit more for the, for the higher gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you, you mentioned the, um, uh, head retention and body and things like that. How, how is that, how is it that a higher gravity boil affects those things? Explain the mechanics of that. Okay. Well, uh, in any, anytime you're you're boiling wort, um, you, you go through the hot break, which is the coagulation and precipitation of, uh, proteins you know in the word um the you know basically the higher the gravity of the beer the you know of the wort in the kettle the higher the concentrations of those proteins is um and as you boil those are going to you know precipitate coagulate and precipitate out to about the same uh, concentration each time so whether you're brewing you know 1040 uh, you're going to end up with X amount, you know, percentage of protein left in that word afterwards, um, and then if you so if you increase that to eighty, you know, uh, gravity, it's still going to those proteins are still going to coagulate and precipitate out to darn near about X, whatever that number is. Um, so it the the boil is a great leveler. Um, the you know so and. When and as you do that, um, the you end up with a little bit more you know protein in the in the wort uh, going into the kettle or I'm sorry into the fermenter, but um, you're not putting getting as much protein into the fermenter for head retention as uh, you would think you would from starting out at a much higher gravity, and that's because uh, the the solubility of protein. Um, after the boil is roughly about the same. Mm-hmm. So, it, like I say, the boil is a great leveler. So, um, for for a, a full wort boil, uh, you will end up with more, you know, head-forming proteins and things like that in a higher-gravity beer, uh, mm-hmm. all, thing, it, all things being but equal. But the pr- proportion of those proteins that help head retain, help head retention mm-hmm. is uh, relatively less. Mm-hmm. So what um, you started then, with. Then, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the drawback of the boil is that um, the head retention and uh, conversely the um, haze proteins are the ones that are you know, significantly affected by the boil. So, the, you know, you get a good boil, you precipitate out your haze formation, for, forming proteins, you get a clear beer, but you also at the same time pull out your a lot of your foam your foam enhancing proteins as well. Um, so 
the the head retention of high protein or sorry the head retention of high gravity beers does tend to be less than the head retention of lower gravity beers and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's an established fact mm-hmm. well the people always said well it's because of uh, uh higher alcohol that's why uh you know uh, yeah. there's poor head retention yeah. but uh, I, I think people have more kind of that. dispelled that that yeah. myth, right? It's it's not necessarily alcohol because you can take uh, ethanol and uh, add it to a beer, and head retention remains the same. That's right. So That's it, that really isn't it. It's uh, other factors in there, and fermentation, high gravity fermentation, may play a, a role in it. But yeah. it's probably other compounds from the yeast. Uh, that are causing it is not it's not the uh, higher alcohol necessarily. Well, there's that. there's yeah there's several. And I guess to kind of branch off on foam for a minute, there's several factors that enhance foam stability, formation, and foam stability in the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, to enhance foam formation, yeah, you obviously you need proteins, um, and so getting more protein into the beer, into the into the fermenter, and into the final beer. Uh, helps with that. Now, whether you do that by adding, you know, say barley adjunct or wheat um, to the to the mash, um, you know, to get a little more soluble protein into that wort, um, that's one way to do it. Um, higher hopping rates also enhances foam stability because mm-hmm. the alpha acids act as a, a binder mm-hmm. to. They are hydros, hydrophobic or hydroscopic. Um, mm-hmm. And um, well, and with help. a higher gravity beer, you know, you tend to hop a little higher as well. So, yep. Mm-hmm. And th- those those aid in head uh, or foam formation mm-hmm. and stability. Mm-hmm. Um, the the another factor that plays plays quite a significant role is um, the yeast. And during the during the fermentation of a high gravity beer. Um, there is generally more stress on the yeast, mm-hmm. and when the yeasts are under stress, they produce um, uh, you know more byproducts. And one of the things that they produce is a uh, enzyme called proteinase A, mm-hmm. and proteinase A uh, acts to break down um, these foam forming proteins, um, and they um, the that enzyme is active. Um, throughout fermentation, the higher the the higher the stress the yeast is under, the more of that protein they're going to churn out during fermentation, and that will break down proteins during fermentation and and reduce the the foam uh, capability of that beer. Um, a lot of a lot of high gravity brewers practice, and I'm talking commercial brewers now, mm-hmm. practice pasteurization, mm-hmm. and there's been some studies that have shown that pasteurizing the beer uh, at packaging really helps uh, long-term foam stability in these higher-gravity beers because the, the proteinase A enzyme gets denatured during hmm. pasteurization. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up uh, talking about uh, uh, how the, the uh, boil affects a high-gravity beer, and we'll talk about cooling and all that. Back after this. Your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for an economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedashev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard. And polish your style accuracy with Jamil. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the more beer deal of the day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated. Stop. Burdison, what is it? Shh. Listen. I think I hear a dwarf in the air. A what? A dwarf in the air. But there's no such thing. I lad, but soon there will be... Hail Brewers! Fantasy Brewmasters invites you to participate in their 2010 Dwarf Brew Recipe Contest. Do you dig fantasy? Have you ever wondered what sort of ale a wizard might come across at his local tavern? Have you ever wanted to find out what a dwarf in ale really tastes like? Yeah, you know who you are, and here's your chance to show your geek pride. Submit what you think would be the ultimate dwarf in beer, and your recipe could be chosen for commercial production as their flagship beer. Entrance must be a U.S. resident, 21 years of 
age or older, log on to www.fantasybrewmasters.com to register and for contest rules and more details. This contest, they're looking to brew an authentic dwarf and beer of your creation along the lines of a very drinkable brown ale. Registration deadline is Tuesday, August 31st. The winner takes home $1,000, plus they get to see their beer brewed commercially. Go to fantasybrewmasters.com now. It's not some old fantasy character beer. It's f***ing dwarf in ale. Fantasybrewmasters.com You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, high gravity brewing, and and for this episode specifically, the uh, the boil. So, John, you were talking about uh, the proteins and how uh, the the concentrated boil affects those and can affect head retention, body, and things like right. that. Uh, did you have anything else to add to that? Or, well, I guess it's um, always good to to get back to the uh, the Maillard reactions and the melanoidins. Uh, mm-hmm, just to mm-hmm. touch on those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's there's brewing, you know, high gravity beers, high gravity styles, and then there's high gravity brewing, you know, as a way to save, you know, space in the brew kettle. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're kind of kettle restricted, right? And uh, so to remind people that if they are going to do a high gravity uh, brew and then later dilute in the fermenter, you know, um, that the the flavors formed uh, during a high gravity boil are going to be different. Um, than the flavors brewed in a low gra- made in a low gravity boil, mm-hmm. you know, using the same ingredients. Right. Um, well, the, that's uh, you know when somebody's trying to do a partial boil, right. uh, you know, it's it can be okay in the lower gravity beer, but in a higher gravity beer, it becomes even more of a problem. When you get to such a concentration, you're developing different flavors through that high gravity, really concentrated boil. You're, um, you know, having troubles with hop utilization, things like that. That's why, especially in a high gravity boil, if you can't boil the full wort, it's better to uh, hold back uh, a portion of the uh, uh, extract, extract or the, and yeah. add it later in later in the boil. Yeah. Well, and and another thing about about uh, you know adding extract, one, you know, one of the nice things uh, about the boil is it gives you a chance to adjust for errors. Uh, in the mash, or you know, if you right. check your your gravity at the beginning, here's your chance. You know, if you're short of hitting that high gravity target, uh, here's your chance to add some extract and and make your adjustment to uh, uh, you know the the the, the work to uh, uh, make your proper beer. Yep, you can add some more water, add a little more extract, and mm-hmm. hit your hit your, hit your numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, so, what what about um, you know, some people they will uh, they come in to the kettle and they're they've got low gravity uh, or you know higher volume than they need, and what they want to do is a uh, an extended boil to get the high gravity, uh, the their target. What's the well, problem with that? Yeah, you'll you'll end up change you know changing the flavors of the wort uh, in doing so. I mean, as you boil that wort longer, trying to boil it down. You're gonna, it, it, the flavors are gonna change. Um, it, I don't know how to describe them. I mean, 
is something that you just have to experience. But the, you know, the the wort will shift. It will get a little darker. It will get a little uh, darker tasting um, as you try to boil that down to reduce its volume. Uh, a you know preferable um, a better way to to go about a um, increasing that gravity is to add in some dry malt extract. Mm-hmm. You know, keep a bag around. I know Tasty says he does that. You know, if he's if he's going to miss the, his numbers for whatever reason, just to add in, you know, half pound a pound of dry malt extract mm-hmm. um, to his his boil to get the numbers up, and that way, you know, you don't you don't stress the wort, you don't you know you don't thermally stress it mm-hmm. um, by trying to reduce the volume over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. You're just adding some more extract in, and uh, adding it in in a you know in a pale form so that you're not getting. Mm-hmm. The mel- melanoidin flavors that you may want to avoid in you know a particular style, such as say a Hellas or you know Kolsch well, or whatever. In the Sunday session, they did a, uh, a show on uh, hitting your numbers. So uh, you know if you miss oh, your yeah. number, how to ma- make some adjustments, and uh, I'm sure that was uh, uh, you know quite useful information. If you're if you're wondering about that, that'd be a good episode to listen to, and uh, you know. Making your numbers is important, not just to, uh, you know, that beer, but consistency, you know, across all your beers. And being able to adjust your beers and, and have a great uh, brew time after time is all about uh, consistency in your brewing process. It makes a big difference. Right. So moving on to the cooling. Uh-huh. Um, I guess when it comes to high, high gravity versus low, low gravity, um is the heat Not capacity a, different for the, for the for high gravity wort versus a uh, low gravity wort? It is. Yeah, there's it's going to take more more water, more cooling energy to cool down the high gravity brew mm-hmm. than it will the low gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot, but it, there there's a, there is a difference. Mm-hmm. So um I think what you use the uh whirlpool chiller mm-hmm. and I use a, a counterflow, I use a plate chiller. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, there, there shouldn't be. I guess what I want to say: there's no real demand difference. There's no need to say change equipment when cooling a high gravity beer versus a low, lower gravity. Um, you know, right. plate chillers, whirlpool chillers, immersion chillers should be all be equal mm-hmm. to the task. Uh, although you might want to expect that it, it may take a little longer. Uh, yeah. It may take, uh, you know, if you're using ice, uh, so, you know, I got friends in uh, San Diego that, uh, you know, the groundwater tends to be fairly warm. So they, a lot of times they'll uh, use some ice and uh, recirculate uh, some uh, ice water in a bucket. Uh, and they also, you know, water is very uh, uh, restricted. So yeah. uh, rather than uh, uh, just, you know, run a hose, they'll... Uh, uh, get a bucket with some uh, ice and water in there, and just uh, pump it through their chiller and uh, back into the bucket. Had a little more ice, so you know they may need more ice for uh, a higher gravity beer. That's true. Uh, probably not a tremendous amount more, but uh, definitely uh, it's going to take a little more than it would with a standard standard beer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and what about things like whirlpooling? It does. Um, you know, when you've when you've uh, made a high gravity beer. It's a thicker viscosity liquid, and yeah. let's say you're whirlpooling to get all your brake material into the center. Uh, is that going to change? Does that does the viscosity change the uh, the action of the whirlpool or anything like that? Uh, you know, I 
I haven't experienced it in my brewing. Um, I, I, I guess at the, at the gravities that we're dealing with, um, you know, short of 10, 100 and above, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that there's an appreciable difference. Oh, really? I, okay. Perhaps, you know, the, although on the other hand, you know, when I'm brewing, you know, a high gravity, highly hopped beer, mm-hmm. where I've got, you know, another pound of hops in there than I normally do, mm-hmm. um, certainly there's a lot more stuff in the kettle. And uh, there'd be, mm-hmm. yeah, and well, there's more hot break, break or cold break, yeah. So you will, ex- you, I think okay. you're going to be dealing with more more material in the boil mm-hmm. um, that you, that you need to whirlpool is going to take up more room in the center of the kettle. I don't think that the viscosity necessarily changes that. I think it's, you know the the fact that you got more material is probably the the the, re- the bigger issue. Mm-hmm. When it comes to whirlpooling it and helping your separating the trub, so you can uh, draw the word off clear clear word off more easily. Well, and uh, in uh, I, I'm sure viscosity does have some effect on on the particulate matter uh, mm-hmm. traveling traveling through it. Uh, you know, if if it's as thick as uh, honey. Uh, and yeah. you rest a penny on it, it's not going to go through. So yeah. uh, I'm sure it has some sort of effect on it. But uh, Well, uh, the, the whirlpool or the, you know, the whirlpooling, the centrifuging principle, you're looking at a difference in, in uh, density mm-hmm. to affect the separation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's not going to separate as effectively as uh, a lower gravity uh, mm-hmm. would. Mm-hmm. Um, but or again, quickly, I guess, right? yeah, not as quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, again, like you're saying, speaking. yeah, it's uh, uh, you know we were talking in in the first show. Uh, you know, some people consider high gravity brewing 1080. Uh, I do, uh, and some people consider high gravity brewing uh, 1.2 something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's definitely you know getting up in the syrup and honey. <laughs> right, levels. right. Yeah, that's like a, a pretty uh, high gravity mead. Right. All right. So uh, let's do this. Let's take another short break. When we come back, we'll wrap up and uh, answer any questions from the chat. Back after this. The cutting edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. 
Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. This is Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. 
Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. We're uh, talking about high-gravity brewing and, and specifically about the boil. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to that, uh, Palmer? Did, did, I, did I cut you off at any point there? No, I, th- I think think that covers the high points. Um, I can't think of anything else. No low points that you wanted to cover? <laughs> Just no, that? not today. <laughs> Justin, do you have any low points? I knew that was coming back to me at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have questions in the, the chat there. Yeah, uh, I'll, you know, it's, it's, it's probably geared for the next show, but a good question regardless. Uh, BC Maui is in the chat room there, and uh, he wants to know, do most high-gravity beers generally need a long time to reach peak flavor, or is that a recipe issue? Can you adjust it there? I'd say it's a recipe and fermentation issue. Yeah, mainly, um, because it, 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 it depends on so many different things. And my experience has been that... Um, every beer does better with a bit of aging and how much aging depends on a lot of different factors. And one of the most important factors I think is the melanoidin content and the like antioxidant kind of content of it. So when you have a darker beer, it tends to be more stable over a longer period of time, does well with, uh, you know, longer periods of aging. And it's not necessarily a high gravity versus low gravity thing because if you have a really pale beer, uh, even when it's a high gravity beer, uh, they tend to oxidize to a point where uh, you know they're not so great after just a short period of time. So, yeah. if you're making a, a high gravity beer that you want to age out for a long period of time, um, I would make sure you've got some um, highly kiln malts in there, even in just tiny quantities. Um, to help with that that aspect of it, I think that makes a, a big difference in uh, long term stability and and also the way it develops over time and the flavors that are developed. And you know that being said, I think um, you know a higher gravity beer, you tend to have more fusel alcohols, you have uh, more ester precursors, right. things like that, and so. <clears throat> the development of those flavors and how those flavors combine and change, I think, does take a little longer in a higher gravity beer, or you'll be more rewarded in a higher gravity beer than you will in a lower gravity beer in those cases. So it's a, a complex process and actually a really good question, I think. Um, yeah, I think we'll address some... a lot of that in the next show when we talk about fermentation and aging of higher gravity beers mm-hmm. versus low gravity. I mean, it, I think a lot of these these issues would be brought up. Okay, you got a lot of information on that. that uh, <laughs> a little bit. I'm drawing yeah. a blank. I don't know about you, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was a good question too because yeah, popular information right now it kind of tells you, oh, if it's high gravity, right. it, it definitely has to age. Right, right. But that's a stylistic thing too. It, you mm-hmm. know, it, not all yeah. high gravity. Anyway, I yeah, I, I like that you guys uh, address that because. I think- I didn't yeah, know. That's, that's a great point. Yeah, well, and uh, let's take for an example, uh, Tasty's uh, Imperial Janice Brown. That doesn't really need to age. It's great, you know, right, you know, fresh. Right. Uh, Pliny the Elder, um, a real, yeah. you know, a, a hoppy and fairly high gravity beer. Um, you know, that fresh. that's fresh. I mean, you know, Vinny's like, drink it right away. Don't save it. It's going to go bad. Yeah. You know, you know, drink it the moment you get it. And that that really makes a big difference on that. On the, again, that's a real pale beer, 
And so, you know, it's not going to be nearly stable. I think if you added a bunch of dark malts to it, it'd probably ruin that beer, but it would be far more stable. So, uh, yeah, good question, uh, BC Maui. Great. All right, that's about it from the chat room. They're uh, focused on other things today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. I can see quite a few people brewing on Facebook. And yeah. Matt Earl and others are all... They're in there. Today. They're talking about lunch meat and you know, oh, I don't even know what's geez. going on. We got the wrong crowd today. That's what happened. You got you got my crowd is what you <laughs> yeah, got. What happened? Is this like a time change thing or what? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Jeez. All right. Well, that'll, that'll do it for this show. And uh, we're going to come back with one more uh, segment on, uh, on uh, high-gravity brewing. We're going to talk about fermentation, aging, and uh, brewing high-gravity for increased volumes as well. Uh, we'll have a special guest in the studio for that. And uh, if you get a chance, uh, swing by BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, check out our, our great sponsor's uh, products. He's coming out with new ones all the time, really fancy, uh, very creative, uh, brilliant, might I say, uh, products mm. that he comes up with. Makes your brewing easier. Yep. And uh, if, you, if you like the fact that he pays for the show so you don't have to, send him an email. Tell him how, how much you appreciate it. Also, check out the uh, Brewing Network store. We got all sorts of good merchandise there: shirts, hats, books, glassware, all you name it. Uh, it's in there, and it's it's great stuff. I enjoy wearing it. John enjoys wearing it, and we'd like like to see you wearing a Bruce Strong shirt or hat as well. And uh, uh, you know, uh, keep uh, brewing those those great beers out there. We appreciate uh, tasting them when we when we see at events and things like that. Great, and. Uh, Keep your feet on the ground. Keep your feet on the ground. And, and remember, remember, folks, I love you too, random citizen. <laughs> Pretty strong. Pretty strong, everybody.